Hello, it's Shelley F. Knight, bringing you Positive Changes, a self-kick podcast. show we're joined by Claudia Gottselman and she is founder of Permission to Bloom Midlife Coaching and she's also an end-of-life doula so hello to Claudia. Hello. Thank you for joining us. I'm so excited to be here thank you for having me. Oh bless you. You have so many stories to share so please just share one of your stories with us today. Well, where should we begin? <laughs> um, I, I think I would like to talk about um, grief and uh, death. And it might sound scary and heavy when we hear these words, but um, for me, it is actually not. And um, well, so I start how I came to engage on the topic of grief and death. It was about three years ago. Um, fast forward, I went through a very difficult divorce and I burned down and I, I call it, I cracked open and I got to reverse myself. Um, and somehow I listened to a talk from Frank Otostevsky. He's, um, he has a, ho a hospice in San Francisco where I used to live at that time for homeless people. And it's a very, very beautiful um, talk and I can share the link afterwards. And it says what the living can learn from the dying. And I was kind of obsessed by it. I, I listened to it uh, three times and then I translated the entire talk in, into German because I thought, oh my God, I need to talk to my parents about this. <laughs> and then I don't know why, but it led me down this road that this was Christmas and I went back to San Francisco and somehow, you know how the universe works in its magical ways. Mm -hmm. There was this suddenly this uh, educational program in front of me. It said, you know, end of life doula training in Colorado, Boulder. And it started in March. And I don't know, I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to just go there and do it. So I did it and it was an incredible heart opening experience. And I learned a lot and I cried a lot. I also let go of a lot. And so then, yeah, I, six months later, no, nine months later, sorry, excuse me. I had a certificate to be a certified end of life doula. That's wonderful. It's a term which I hadn't heard of for many, many years. And I worked at end of life as a nurse. And it seems like it's really accepted now, which I love. Just for clarification, are they the same as a soul midwife? Yeah, I think uh, maybe that's the UK word. Oh, okay. Yeah, so in the US, you know, I mean, there's doulas for, to bring babies into the world. And yeah. now we have doulas to help trans uh, transition from form to formless. And um, I think it's it's gaining traction because I think we people realize or wanting again to pass 
in a different way. And I think um, people are more conscious and thinking about how um, the transition should just be, how, how they can be, how they can be prepared. Basically, you know, what happens is that you start working with somebody three months before if it's estimated. Okay. But then you really go into the details and you, you know, find out, you work out together. How, how would you like to be buried? What is your legacy? What about financial means? How should the actual celebration of your passing take place? It's, should there be any music? Should it be in a light room? Um, how about the after whatever there is to be taken care of? So it's a very intense, but also very beautiful um, engagement where we can choose how we really want to how we want our um, last part piece section of our life to look like that's lovely it's really beautiful that it's so organized you haven't got that terminal agitation that i used to see in nursing but then the logical part of my head is thinking that surely we should be doing this anyway shouldn't we uh, as we start to get there, if we know the imminent is coming, we should start to think, this is how I want to be remembered. This is what I need to get into order. This is how I want to be buried. But people don't do it, do they? No, I think people are very scared of that topic. Yeah. Even so, you know, we are born to die. But in our society, it's really not normalized to think about death. I mean, you know, even we put makeup on our dead people. Yeah. They can even not look dead once they're dead. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's, it's very interesting. But um, so I feel like uh, we need to change the conversation about this and no really normalize it. And because then we can hold it and integrate it into our daily life. And that's actually really where I went with this. After my education, I thought, you know, I, I don't want to um, work really at the end of life with people at the end of life. It just didn't completely call me. But I felt so touched by, by the knowledge and the wisdom I gained and the tools I received. And I thought I should take this to the here and now to really right into this conversation, into the middle of life and um, start working with women or whoever wants to have this conversation or needs to, uh, wants to change their life and bring the awareness. Because if we engage um, on this topic or if we can question, if we envision, let's say, how it would be if we would have three months to live, it really will impact the here and now. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And I know that you very similar to me that grief is so closely associated with death when actually grief happens when we lose anything with which we have an emotional connection. So if you're in your midlife, like myself, <laughs> just like me, Claudia, and you know, <laughs> I have had a lot of losses, you know, I've lost the ability to sleep at night. I've lost sort of, you know, the elasticity of my skin, my energy level, you know, my hair's changing. There are losses. And then the children will go to school and so you lose that identity of being a mum at home. So there are many losses. I think it's brilliant that you brought that end of life wishes and brought it back into the now. Yeah, and I, I also feel, um, so you mentioned grief. That's, you know, it's a whole nother topic because I think we, we 
we face or experience a thousand deaths through our life. Yes. They're little deaths, you know, even like the normalization of something you say, yeah, the change of our body, the change, you know, loss of friendships, loss of an animal or um, we lose our job or just a disappointment. This is yeah. still a little death inside of us. And if we don't have the tools and know how to actually honor it and grieve it, then it festers inside of us. And then eventually it will, you know, maybe come out as an explosion or we turn bitter or we turn into anxiety arises or we have anger and we don't even know why. Mm. So I think it's very important to engage on the topic of death now and also on the topic of grief and learn how to be with it. I absolutely love that. I was smiling away because you said about little deaths and in my next book, Good Grief, I call it mini deaths. And it is exactly what you said. It's like, we are always having loss, whether it's like loss of you know, an argument, confidence, relationship, direction, weight, money, whatever you're losing, it is a little mini death throughout our life. Yeah. And um, so, you know, it's, it's even like, we can say, um, you know, when you look at people, how they die, you, I feel like you can see how they lived. Or when you see how people live, this is also the way they actually die. Because if we lived well, we will die well. Because then we, we have been conscious and we have been engaging on this topic. But if we don't, then, you know, everything will come very sudden and we will be pushed into an almost traumatic experience because which is swapped over by usually it's very sudden. I mean, some deaths are long and painful, but often it's just like this and we're like, well, now what? So That's it's really a very interesting. good, yeah, it's a very good skill to um, acquire. So maybe you wonder now, so how do I acquire the tool to handle grief? <laughs> yeah, well, I'm still stuck on the part where you're saying about how you live is how you die. Because again, it's obviously about positive changes. So if you find yourself in quite a sort of traumatic place or anxious place, you could create a change now in your life. Because I don't know if it's because of positive change or because I deal with grief myself, but I don't have a fear of dying. And it really bugs my children, Claudia, really bugs them. Because they're just sort of like, could you stop talking about it? And it's like, but I've done all the things I wanted to do. Yes, I'd like to stay around for longer. But, you know, like I always want to publish a book. I want to be the man of my dreams, have children, you know, have really good friendships, what my spirituality to, you know, grow. And I kind of done that and I don't have the fear. And I, you know, I do a lot of tools. I know you're going to share in a moment. But I do have a lot of tools like my meditation, my yoga, you know, even candlelight and early nights. It's just all those things, how I look after myself. So I'm having a good life while I'm here. Right. Well, you're, you're our conscious being you are not afraid of your insights or you're engaging with your soul or even, you know, with the darkness or the, the fears of your soul, right? If we, if we can befriend those thoughts, those fears, maybe, you know, the, let's say for, for in, because of the topic of this conversation, the fear of dying. Yeah. And, you know, you wonder where does that come from? You know, why are we so afraid? But I think if we, again, come back to the here and now, and we know, we know that we live a beautiful life, the best we can live, the most authentic we can be in our everyday, 
and we don't have to have this fear of dying because then we can truly look back and say, I lived an amazing life. I'm ready. Yeah. But if we don't do that and we postpone everything into the future and be like, one day I'm going to do this. This is my dream, but I'm not doing it now. I'm waiting. And then in the future, I will do it, you know, and it becomes one thing to the next thing and the next thing. And this future day may actually never, ever arrive. And that I feel heart wrenching when you hear people say really at their last breath, oh, I wished, I wished I would have traveled there. Mm. Oh, I wished I would have mended the relationship to my daughter. Or, you know, I wished I would have loved more. I would have risked more. And so I think it's so important to, to reflect on that because at the end, it's really a short journey. And it's this beautiful gift we have, this here and now to be in our body, to wake up every day and, you know, and live this life. Yeah, no, it's beautiful. I like that. And that, as you were saying about when you get into the life, it's like, I wish I had have done and that is like the life lessons of the time, which I've spoken about before in my work. And it is, you don't regret the things you did do. You always regret the things you didn't. And it is sort of, you know, like taking more time off, being more risky, connecting something outside of yourself, you know, mending those relationships along the way. And it is, you know, I guess it's just living while we're alive, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so it's, you know, so I guess it starts with, engaging and changing the topic and, and engaging on this topic and maybe you know even having a dinner conversation they're you know talking about this i've i mean i don't know we i feel like we should normalize um talking about death or grief and i think if we can with our family or with our friends that for me also creates enormous intimacy because it's really beautiful to know how, for instance, my mother wants to pass or yeah. how I want my, my, my friends to know how I feel about it. And I think it's so beautiful what we can learn about each other when we actually yeah. are open to this conversation. And, you know, more so than ever again in these current times, I think all we have is like intimate or beautiful um close relationships with another person or you know our community so um there's for instance there's cafes you i mean i don't know if you have this here in the uk or in europe but i know in the us where i usually yeah. live there's a lot of that and you can just meet up for a coffee if you don't have friends who want to talk about this and share and make a plan um it's just I true, yeah, I'm really advocating for, you know, taking the the taboo away from this topic and just making it, just normalizing it. Yeah. So what you might not know about me is like, yeah, I do know about death cafes because I set up good, <laughs> good Grief here in Northampton because when I left nursing at the end of 2019, just that end of life, I used to see people, obviously I saw the patient dying, but then I saw the families that were left behind and they would just get stuck in that moment of death. Not in all the lovely memories beforehand and all the things I could have put right, just stuck, how do I move on without you? And so when mm -hmm. I left nursing, it was still something really, I don't in my soul, in my heart that I want to continue with. So I set up a death cafe here locally. And what I love about it is the mix of people we have, like whether they've lost like a 
partner, a sister, a parent, there seems to be some kind of base level where you all experience the same. Mm -hmm. But what I also love is how much laughter there is as well. It's not all macabre and miserable. And, you know, talk about death doesn't make it come for you any quicker. But I love, as you say, is that connection, that understanding and just getting rid of the taboo. So, yeah, I, I love death cafes. and There's thousands of them around the world. I know I'm not unique yeah but it's so cool that you did that that you started that oh my god yeah wow (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's just something I was passionate about I mean I love community anyway I want you know my family to grow up where they feel safe they're part of it part of a bigger picture they give back the generations because it's how I was raised. but yeah grief is really important to me and I just want people to talk about it you know the life doesn't have to stop then the life you know obviously stops but it's just again positive changes trying to inspire people to move forward in a new way yeah and you know it's also we we think about grief for instance in such a in a very particular way and there is you know the six gates of grief and you know the stages we move through and how it's not linear but also i feel like it really is an expression of deep deep love and care and if we if instead of um you know, coming at it, and I, I don't know, it's probably around the world the same. I mean, I can only mostly speak for the US, but often people, you know, they, because they don't have the tools or have the knowledge, they're like, oh, you're still grieving? Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm probably going to grieve for the rest of my life. And, uh, but then, you know, you can hold it, you, if you, you can also hold it in love. And it's a very warm, feeling to me and it doesn't have to yes it's painful and maybe there's anger and because you know it's just you have to work through it but it's I feel like it's this grief is is lost love and um, if we can again rephrase or reframe the way we we look and um, come to grief then it becomes such a beautiful expression yeah I absolutely love that and in my next book, it's called Good Grief. <laughs> and um, it is about making it a positive experience. And it is a little bit controversial, as people will learn. But it's just doable. I don't know if that's even a word, but it is kind of doable. That, you know, we sort of get stuck in our grief and don't know how to move forward. But there's so many ways we can, you know, like if you're not into talking therapies, you know, there's all the spiritual things, simple things like journaling or meditation, right. you know, all these beautiful things, memory boxes. So it is just finding what works for you on your journey, but not just a grief journey in life as well, isn't it? Finding tools to help you. Yeah, it's, you know, again, it's it doesn't have to be a traumatic uh, loss of a family or member or a friend or a beloved one. It's just even the little things that we know how to, to grieve them. And to me, that means like honoring them and gracefully putting them down into a safe place inside my soul where it has, you know, a special place. And to me that then I can let, yeah, I let it go. And I just, I can be free of that, of that negative emotion or whatever. It's, it's just becomes part of me. It's, it's not down. There's, you know, it just goes up, right? You know what I mean? It's just, yeah gracefully letting go (laughs) I love that you you said gracefully putting them down I was like oh my goodness that's beautiful (laughs) and I think it's really important because we're talking about grief and there's like obviously when you have grief when someone dies 
But if you apply the tools, as you were saying, like when you lose little things in life, you're always doing it, aren't you? Like I, I call it mini deaths. Mm-hmm. But if you have a mini death, like you lose your job or you lose your way, whatever you're losing, and you find a tool or a way that helps you come through it and move on, surely we can then apply that as a coping strategy for the bigger losses in our life. Right, because then we have the tools. Yeah. And then if a bigger loss comes or a bigger grief or a bigger death, then you know we can come back to our tools and we're like I got this I love it what tools would you encourage people to work with what tools I would people to work with um you mentioned uh journaling yeah I feel journaling is a very good um way of working through it because it's a very somatic experience grieving it you know it's it comes from our uh, soul, but it's also taking over. Maybe we get sweaty, we get anxious, we 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 get nervous. It's a very somatic body experience. So and then writing, journaling is same. It's a very somatic experience because we write out whatever comes goes through us, and it's our private journal, and nobody needs to see it. So I can say whatever I want. <laughs> it's my secret. <laughs> and it can have, you know, it can hold all emotions, right? But as long as I, I'm able to express them and let it out, and I don't know about you, but for me, it really works. If I feel nervous, I feel anxiety, I feel restless, I know, and I sit down, and sometimes I don't even know in the beginning, what do I write? But then yeah. suddenly it just starts and it's like a waterfall and just writing and writing and writing. And we're like, wow. And then it's such a relief afterwards. We're like, huh. And it's really gone out of my mind. You know, I feel clean. I feel I have space. There's something so light suddenly about me, in me, because it's just safe in my journal. I wrote it there. Yeah, I love it. I know I've said to people before that I used to do morning pages, the Julia Cameron theory, that when you mm-hmm. wake up in the morning, you just free flow and write whatever comes out. And it's like three pages of A4 and you don't have to be grammatically correct. Don't worry about your punctuation. Just let that stuff go. Yeah. And I did it for a while. <laughs> I think I'm quite bad, Claudia, actually. I tend to do it when I hit like rock bottom or start to dip when I should probably do it as a daily tool. But you get it all out and you just think, my God, how did I sleep last night? Because you're worried about what you said to someone that you didn't order that on the shopping. What about the decision two weeks ago? When will I learn about that? And these busy thoughts we have. And in the morning pages, which is a way of journaling first thing, it's a cleansing process. You think, oh, I feel better after that. I feel lighter. And it's getting it out, isn't it? Yeah. Also, maybe a a gratitude journal in the evening before we go to sleep. That could be also a very beautiful thing. And it's, again, it's a muscle, you know, we need to train. Because yeah. maybe it doesn't come easy and we we often get so lost in the day. And we're like, oh, my day sucked. I don't yeah. have nothing. <laughs> we're like, I'm nothing, nothing. I know. But then when we sort of pause and we calm down and we breathe, and that's another a suggestion I, I want to make, you know, breathing. Ah, and so we, we just really calm down and we're with ourselves and our breathing and suddenly these little things come because, you know, our lives are so filled with abundance. There's so much and we just look, you know, we overlook so many things in our yeah. day because we get bucked down by the one thing, maybe the person in the car just turned us off and then our whole day is ruined. But then we forget all the amazing things which happen after <laughs> Yeah. because we're so preoccupied by 
or engulfed by that anger or whatever you know upsetness so i think that also is it's also a beautiful uh, way to end the day yeah by just having just thinking of three things and writing them down and then going with the feeling of gratitude to sleep i think it's a very beautiful way to have a peaceful sleep this might be why I don't sleep, Claudia, because I do my gratitude at the start of the day. <laughs> I'm just, just anyone that's watching this on YouTube, you think, what's she writing down? It's like gratitude at the end of the day, Shelley. <laughs> yeah, because I wake up and to start the day the positive way, I start with like five things I'm grateful for and why. So it's like, thank you for the shelter I've had overnight so I could sleep well or have a good try. Terrible insomniac. Um, but I do my gratitude at the start of the day, like thank you for you know the water by my bed so that I can nourish myself. Thank you for my husband beside me. I know I am loved. And so I do it in the morning, but sleep rubbish at night. So I'm going to so match that up now. I'm going to switch around. <laughs> hmm. okay, I, am grateful, do I am grateful, but not at the right end of the day. So I wake up, start positive, <laughs> but maybe should I readdress it at the end of the day? <laughs> that's funny <laughs> so you've said about journaling which i love gratitude but you're gonna say about breath work what breath work do you use um, i love box breathing the count of four but what do you use um you know i don't know it's just really also depends if you start it's often when we start with something new i think we can overwhelm ourselves so quickly but it just doesn't need to be anything other than three inhales and exhales slowly into our mouth and out of you know into our nose and out of our mouth and or into our belly and three just three really already calms our nervous system and we can start with that from there and it's almost a little meditation and then if you want to expand then we can expand um, i recently started recording on soundcloud little guided meditations and they're five minutes and it says take a moment or breathe with me. And it's just a, again, like it could happen, you know, we, we don't have to do it guided. You could do it you, by yourself when you're driving in the, uh, in the car and the, the red light, on the red light, it's red and you have a moment and you could just really breathe and think about, for instance, abundance. Yeah. Or you can think about of the intention of that we are enough because we're so harsh on ourselves and we rush. And we forget again, you know, and then we get derailed throughout our day. And then it's one thing to the next thing. But sometimes we have maybe instead of looking at the phone while we're on the red light. <laughs> Don't do that. That's you naughty know? here in the UK. Don't do that. <laughs> I think we all do that. We all do that. It's incredible how suddenly, how long a red light can be, how much email checking and whatever you can do suddenly. <laughs> Um, but, you know, instead of doing that, we could just, you know, have our hands on the wheel and close our eyes and breathe in and out and think about the abundance through our day, all the things which are around us and we take for granted. And um, simple things like that, I feel like it just brings us back to the center, grounds, as I said, grounding. And once we get onto our next task we probably feel a little bit more aligned with ourselves that's wonderful thank you so when you're working with people with the midlife what's their biggest pain point why do they come to you in the first point um i feel there is a nagging feeling 
inside them that there is more. The midlife is a very interesting stage. We all go through it. We have, you know, accomplished certain things. And then suddenly, like, suddenly we wake up and like, and now what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, and often we don't have, again, the tools or the language to find out what that, what actually means. And um, so my experience, it's often coming back to a younger version of ourselves and picking up where we forgotten or left because we went down a certain road, let's say a career, children, family. And, you know, we have achieved suddenly these things and uh, the fire sort of is um, going away or the excitement and children are growing up and they don't need us anymore. So there suddenly there's this space inside of us and then it's like, yo, wow, now what? <laughs> and so that's sort of where we start working together and going and digging in and finding out who we want to be, who we need to be. Because like a, as a coach, um, we usually don't go back into the past, but we really look at the future and the plan of like, who can I want to, who do I need to be in one year, three years, and then we can make a plan together how we can get there and reach this goal. That's really interesting. So people listen to the show know that my mum's a counsellor, so she does a lot of getting people to go back to the past and addressing what, mm -hmm. when, why, how. But in coaching, I love that you're dealing with who you are now. So kind of you're meeting them where they're at, I guess. Right. Yeah. I love that. So yeah, you don't have to really, go back we, through the trauma or anything or no, a little bit, you know, we, we talk a bit about, um, yeah, you know, about upbringing, but not in that, in that depth. It's really more, who are we now? How do we arrive into the now and how we do have, what do we envision? What are our dreams? How do we see the future unfolding? Is there something we haven't accomplished? And I think, again, the end-of-life um, tools come very well into this, um, into this process because we go fast forward and be like, okay, now imagine how it would be. You're much, much, much older. Because often people are like, I don't know who I'm going to be. I don't know. I've done this. I've done that. I have family. I'm, but, you know, I'm not really happy. There's something. It's like I'm restless. And so how do we get to that, into that space in between the now and the end of life? And that's, you know, it's a beautiful life stretch we have, right? It's a gift of we get to live a whole other life. If we want to reinvent ourselves, let's do it. So, but we need to find out what it is. And so going to the end of life and then working the way back and finding out how we feel it and how we can, how we can create this future together. I think that is so powerful. So you're not doing like the last three months of their life, you're sort of going to the end. So you're almost reflecting back. So say you were at the end of life, you'd be reflecting back thinking, did I do everything I wanted to do? So mm -hmm. this is what I was saying, like I was saying to my um, teenage son, even though it's mortified Claudia, but he was mortified because <laughs> I was going like, well, you know, I've done it all, you know, written the book, got the podcast, got the children. And he's really uncomfortable with it. But it is, if I went forward to the end of my life, I'd like to probably sell more books or, you know, something, but no great changes. 
but that's really brilliant that if you're lacking clarity now you can find it by going to the end and working back yeah i think you know you but you you also have a lot of tools you're a very conscious being you have done a lot of work for yourself so for you you probably feel aligned you have also the language to express all the things you just said but a lot of people don't have that even you know it's sick it's just a nagging feeling a void um, a belly ache it's a restlessness and then but you know when people come like i don't have any hobbies because all i did was take care of my children for the last 12 years so you identify through the children or you've reached a career and then you're almost at a burnout and you're like why am i doing this why am i working you know 50 hours whatever 55 hours a week and so so it's very interesting to 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 go in and find the silence and really listen and again strengthen the muscle of intuition and deep knowing because we all know we know we have to we have it inside of us we just need to take it out find the words and express it yeah i love what you're saying and i think that when people come to you where they are at the moment I should imagine, maybe not, but I should imagine there's quite a lot of people that don't trust what comes up from them. They don't know who they are inside. So there's almost like yeah. a trust process with yourself. It is actually amazing that you mentioned trust because I think trust is such an important um, topic on, on this, in this work. And, you know, it's a trust. Um, first, I have to establish with my client, the client with me, that we speak the same language that we're aligned but then it's also from my client like trusting whatever comes up and that's also a very interesting um again society i would say society doesn't really help us the way we live that we trust ourselves that we can trust our gut because you know we have all these outside um, stimulations where we rather we trust what that person says we trust that marketing spot we trust that but you know and then sometimes we know there's all these red flags or green flags or whatever flags and but we know it's always that knowing and that has to do with self-trust so again we learn like hmm to find out who am i really it's a very beautiful process yeah i love it i'm biased obviously but i do love it <laughs> <laughs> but so when I sort of moved forward so like I nursed for many years and got defined as a nurse and then I sort of like a mum so I'm sort of like Harrison's mum Poppy's mum Myla's mum Daisy's mum or you know, Wesley's wife whatever I am all those labels and it I have to strip it back don't you? a bit like an onion that's a beautiful analogy isn't it an onion mm -hmm. peel back the layers and find out who I am and for me the way forward was just sort of digging up like the bit of the childhood, the broken relationships, who am I about this job, this label. And I say I do gratitude, meditation, yoga, all of that. But can people move forward through midlife crisis without a spiritual route? No. No. Good answer. That will do me. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I think a bit, there's some real ego people out there. Maybe they just think like, you know, get a business plan and then I'll just have a little bit of counselling. But I'm thinking, 
because I know for me, mine was, as you said, beautifully at the start, like cracked, you cracked open and found your soul. That's what happened to me. You mean, I was this business person. I had to have that income and all that kind of thing. When actually now I'm really happy with a candle. You know, sit in a room with a candle and a bit of silence. I'm happy. (laughs) (laughs) So I just wondered like, what tools can people use that aren't spiritual, but you're saying it is almost like a rebirth, a spiritual growth almost. I think, you know, when, when you, when the, the, the voices are there and when the voices, you know, we can numb the voices, we can maybe not, we, maybe the voice comes up and then we just numb it with whatever we escape into, whatever there might be substance, another job, another mm-hmm. something, but we can't run away from ourselves and it will come back. And these voices will get louder and louder. And that is the cracking, right? It's the cracking of our soul when the voices will, I the voices are the literal like, <laughs> that's when it cracks. <laughs> and then, the, you know, it will come up in one form or another. And it may come up in form of depression. It may come up in form of um, a really deep crisis. It may come up in form of an addiction, but it will come up. And, you know, and, and with some people may come up as just a restlessness, as a void, as feeling lost. I mean, whatever the constellation is, like we're all individual, we, we have all different ex- way of expressing expression. So, but I think it will come up. And I think then this cracking will push us inward. And that's when I think we get in touch with our soul. Because the soul just wants to be heard and acknowledged and seen. I think that's beautiful. So this is going where I went from a nurse to past life regressionist. So if they don't <laughs> learn the lessons in this life, I personally believe that if you come in this life and you're thinking, well, I'm just going to be logical, everything's about the money, I think that you're just going to come back in another life and have to have that spiritual awakening almost. So you might feel restless in this life, but in the next life, you're just getting the same lesson. But do you know, so many times, I'm sure it happened to all of us, we make mistakes over and over again. Different situations, different scenarios, but then it's basically the same mistake again until you learn your lesson and then it goes away. So I don't know. And then also we can go right to the end of life. I mean, this is you know, part of, of this, what I've learned with working with the end of life. But, and that's, I think if you don't address the numbness or the cracks or the voices or your soul or your yearning at the end of the life it's it will come out probably it's it's exactly those things where you suddenly realize i should have yeah i should have loved more i should have risked more i should have traveled more i should have should have and then i think that's to me as i said earlier that's heart-wrenching to 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 go from form to formless in that sort of with, with that knowing so but it's a personal choice and you know we're all oh, on I our own it. journey yeah absolutely we are and I know like even living with my husband Claudio I know that he's a totally different man to me and he's just sort of like you know kind of let me his office today but He's not really into candles and incense and crystals, if you're honest. <laughs> but he's on his journey and I'm holding his hand along the way. Do you know what I mean? So we do all have our own journey and it's not always spiritual, but we still move forwards. And life still passes by however we choose to make the choices along the way, doesn't it? Right. Yeah. 
So he, yeah, he wouldn't, he doesn't like half the candles. Far too many cushions <laughs> apparently is another thing, but again, it comes down to life choices. <laughs> He's like, I never had cushions or sandwich bags till I met you. I was like, well, <laughs> your life's more complete now. <laughs> so we're going along on this journey of life and I like to th- I don't like to think I'm near the end of my life, but I really drive my family mad in my kitchen, Claudia, because I say to them, like, realistically, I've got more years behind me than I have in front of me. And they think that's really miserable macabre. But seriously, I'm in my late 40s. Do you know what I mean? I probably, probably am that side of the balance, you know, the, the shorter end of the string. <laughs> and I feel all right with that. And I don't know if it is like yourself, where we've worked at the end of life. And we've learned, you know, it's about connection. Do what you want when you're here and able. But I do think it was really beautiful working with end of life that I almost learned how to live my life better. Or more consciously, I know you said about consciously, and it is being aware in your life, not just sort of bumbling through in, in like a, I don't know, watching box sets, going to work, sticking to that bad relationship, is it? I think when we get more conscious, more aware, like you said, the restlessness, which I loved because I've been there, when you think, yeah, it's good, but is it good enough? Do you think you yeah. live better now you've worked with end of life? You're asking me personally? Yeah, because I know yeah. I have. Yeah. Oh yeah, I think I'm 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 very very conscious about every day, and um, how I spend my day, and what do I you know what to me everything is vibration. What energy I put outward into the world and wherever it ripples off to, um, I think that's another very important thing for me. And also sometimes I have to remind myself that I really need to be on that edge of, you know, daring, doing something new, something I haven't done and not fall back into the comfort zone because there's so much to experience. And I think that's very, very important for me to, to feel alive, actually, because that's a whole another conversation, you know, what, what is it, what makes us feel alive? Because, you know, it's very different to when we are 17 or 25. And now we're talking about, you know, find out, hmm, who am I? And what is it what really makes me feel alive? So it's a very beautiful inquiry. Yeah. And I think, like, it's not a one-off event either, is it? Because we're always changing. Mm -hmm. My friend says the most beautiful thing. She says, look, we're always like lobsters. So you sort of have to push yourself out of your comfort zone and your shell will crack and you'll be really vulnerable and exposed for a few months. And you're like, want to hide under a rock. But your next shell, your next chapter will grow back. And then you just have to grow again. You have to go for it again, you know, and just keep up-leveling your life all the way through, which I love. I love lobsters anyway. They think they're very cute looking things. But... um, (laughs) But I do love that. It's not a one-off change, is it? And you probably see this with your clients, that you don't just do one little change, have a nice life. You're always doing like an audit of your life almost. Yeah. And it's, again, it's it's those little deaths again. You know, maybe we we find this is it, that that makes me feel alive, whatever it is right now, or whatever I am accomplishing or whatever my goals are for the next year. And then maybe it's done and then we're like wow and then we get to level up again it's almost like leveling up it's we want this sort of and you know it's not like up 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 it's always a little bit yeah it's like under ocean like a rocky (laughs) boat (laughs) choppy waters ahead (laughs) choppy waters ahead yeah 
<laughs> and sometimes we feel like we're drowning to be quite honest don't we <laughs> oh yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah we're holding on yeah under the ray I'm like ah <laughs> but that's good because you said to be on the edge of daring so that's good <laughs> <laughs> that's right thanks for reminding me <laughs> Bless you. So the tools you say that we can start using from today is like journaling, gratitude and the breath work. Is there any other tools that we can share today? Um, Well, it's all, you know, maybe connecting to nature. That would be another one. Grounding in nature. I think over um, the last year or two, we're a lot of us are urban dwellers. You know, going out and being in nature, maybe hugging a tree. Maybe it's not that hippie anymore. Maybe it's just okay to hug a tree, right? We find out so much about about uh, nature and what nature gives us. And so, I think just freeing our mind, being away from our devices, and calming down, hearing our inner voices, pausing. A word I use recently a lot is contemplation. And it's not even a meditation, but really contemplating. Just maybe picking a word or something which sort of is steering us when we wake up or through our day. And um, we can contemplate on that and find deeper wisdom with that. I think that's beautiful. I've absolutely loved speaking to you today. Thank you so much. I mean, I always get a little bit too excited about, you know, grief and end of life and the lessons within, but you just ooze spirituality and general gorgeousness, Claudia, if I'm honest. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. If you enjoyed today's episode, please make sure you subscribe and leave a positive review. If you would like to create your own positive changes, you can buy Positive Changes, a self-kick book from all online book retailers or from ShellyFKnight.com. If you need a dollop of positivity until the next episode, come like and follow us over on Facebook at ShellyFKnight, life goes on. As always, I've been Shelley F. Knight and you've been amazing.